I'm going to preach a sermon this morning that I got at 545 also again. God keeps doing this to me. This morning when I woke up, the Lord began to talk to me. Of course, my sermon is on the backside of that one. But he woke me up and I told him, I said, you know, if you talk to me on Sunday morning, that's going to be in my soul when I get up. And, and I have to assume, do you want me to preach on this? And I assume. So I want you to pray for me right now. We're going to talk about trusting God. In other words, I wanted to preach more on the Holy Ghost, and we need to know more about the Holy Spirit. But, but when, he, when he pins me down and starts talking to me, and I woke up, and I, and I don't normally get up at 6, but I went to bed at 9, and so did Lisa. I looked across the living room, and here she comes getting coffee at 6 in the morning. We sat down, and I just started sharing with her what the Lord said to me at 5.45 in the morning. And uh, she said, are you preaching that today? I went, nah. And I, after I got in here, I realized it's so strong on me, I had better preach it. Amen. I want to talk about trusting God. Are you all ready to learn to trust God? Um, so, so I want to tell you a story of where I believe this began in my soul. I was talking to a young lady uh, a, a week ago that does not go to this church. She doesn't go to this church. But I know that she's a Christian, and I know she's a spirit-filled Christian. And she came up and she said, are you Pastor Morgan? And I said, yes, I, I am. And she said, I recognized your voice. I went, oh, that's kind of a giveaway, isn't it? <laughs> and I said hi to her. She told me her name, and I said, I've seen you. I've seen you before. And um, when I stepped away from her, the Lord said to me, and I, I just sat there and I said, you know, and I was just praying for her, Father, help her, bless her. And, of course, I always think, I haven't seen you in a while. And the Lord said, she has a boyfriend she lives with. And I went, ooh, okay. And I began to pray over her. And I, and I went home and told Lisa, I said, this girl's a sweet girl. I wonder why she's doing that. And I'm thinking fear. And I began to, and I began to, I began to pray over her. And, and I began to notice a, a lot of that lately, uh, people who aren't always obeying God. They don't always do what he says. And um, yesterday on the steps of City Hall, I'm watching politicians walk up and pray. You know what's going on in my mind. I wonder if you're willing to stand by your convictions even if it costs you your seat. I hear you praying. But I don't see it. And I'm thinking this when I'm standing there. And they're praying over America. And they're praying over schools. And I'm going, dear Lord, guys, really. And um, so naturally, this is going on in my soul. When I got home last night, Lisa and I were talking about someone that we know, a young lady, who, who, is a, who loves Jesus, raised in church, loves God with all of her heart. And, uh, and, and she was raised in a Christian home, mom and dad of pastor church. But she's got, she's already told God how she wants her life to be. And when I woke up this morning, the Lord said, that's pride. And yet she would look at you and say, she's very holy. And she is. She's a virgin reads her Bible, loves Jesus, preaches. But she's already told God what he will and will not do. And uh, when I woke up this morning, the Lord said, that's pride, son. I went, wow. And of course, I'm, I'm asking myself, you know, because I know why he's talking to me about it. I want you to go to 2 Corinthians 6. Don't go quiet on me. I'll keep you to three this afternoon. I will hold you down. <laughs> It says, O Corinthians, verse 11, we have spoken openly to you and our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you're restricted by your own affections. It, it matters what you do after you're saved. Now, in return for the same, I speak as to children, you also be open. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. 
What fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? What communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? And what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. And God said, I will dwell in them. I will walk among them. I will be their God and they'll be my people. Therefore, come out from among them. And that was the scripture he woke me up with this morning. Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean. I'll receive you. I'll be a father to you. You'll be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let's cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit perfect holiness in the fear of God. Does America need this? Yes. Yes, America needs this. I begin to reflect back on my own life, and I'm going to go back 45 years ago. I walked an altar in a, in a crusade in Atlanta, Georgia, and the, the preacher gave an altar call, and I went forward and gave my life to Jesus. But I had one of those Damascus Road experiences where God hit me in the head with his anointing, shook every devil in me out, and I ran to the altar to get saved. And when I got home that night, I rolled a joint to celebrate being saved. And many of you have heard me tell this story many times. And the Lord said to me, you don't need that. He said, now put that up and get your Bible. Come and follow me. Now listen to me, guys, very carefully. I, I was in the world enough. I, I, had a, I was on probation for a, for a felony. If I had gotten caught by the game warden, I'd have sent me to prison. I got run out of the city of Lawrenceville, Georgia by Gwinnett County. Wouldn't let me back in the city. That means that prior to Jesus, I was quite the hellion. And I have, even to this day, tendencies to be strong. Amen. I've only, I've only hit two people since I've been saved. <laughs> Y'all don't know how good that is. One day I was at work and a guy came up and said something to me and I was not in a good mood. And uh, he threw mud on my boot and I got down and I just knocked the fire out of him. And we went at it. And about 30 seconds into the duking, I stopped, looked at him and I said, please forgive me. I'm wrong. I'm not mad at you. I'm just mad. And I was, I was just mad. And everybody went, he whooped you, Morgan. I said, no. I said, the devil whipped me is what whooped me. And I yielded to my flesh, and I know better than this. I run around telling you I'm a Christian, and I run around knocking people out. That's not right. <laughs> and I had to really go home and work on, you better watch yourself. Because I know I have tendencies to go there. And so when I got born again, I knew I had better Put the dope away, put the booze away, put the playboys away, and I had better not ever pick them up. And I did. I had to make a decision that day that Jesus would be Lord. It wasn't that I couldn't do those things. It's just that I already knew it's don't, if you want to stay away, stay completely out of it all. And I didn't even watch... Uh, John Wayne movies for years because I always liked the way he fixed problems. <laughs> Lisa's only seen me that mad a couple of times. I told her one day, I said, um, I have a button. Don't push it. And I mean, I, I don't. There is a place that I'll unhinge. I said, don't. If I tell you to stop, stop. And she's been respectful of that. And one night, she did something very bad. Very, very wicked. Very wicked. I'm coming home from work, and the sun's going down. And she's hiding in the shadows. And she jumps out at me. Well, all these guys that take Taekwondo, you know, the first thing you do is get all the air out. 
And so she jumps out, and I went, ah! and I'm about to take her head off. And she goes, ha, ha, ha. And she thinks that's funny. <laughs> you know, when you fight all the time, you have reflexes, and they're automatic. And that's enough of that. I knew I'd better make him Lord. Yes. I knew that. I knew I needed to walk with God. Yeah. And I got a Bible out, and I started reading it, and I turned the world off. I needed to come out of the world. I needed to leave it alone until I had a better grip on my flesh. And hopefully, I'm doing fair, better than I used to. I'm doing a lot better than y'all. See, the reason that there's a lot of people in here is that five years ago, I was not where I am spiritually. And Betty May said, amen. Amen. Go to Ephesians chapter 5. The person I was referring to a while ago, and let me make a statement to you. The Lord was talking to me about this person, and when I woke up, he said, that's pride. If Jesus doesn't have a right to tell you what to do, he is not Lord. Amen. And a lot of times we look at people who go to church and love God and sing in the choir and think they're doing good, but not necessarily so. I want to read something to you, Ephesians 5, 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to who? The Lord. The Lord. We're going to talk in a minute, and I'm going to say this, and I want you to grab a hold of this. Even though we use this, and this is talking about marriage, the point he's making is to show you what it's like to be a Christian, not to show you what a Christian should be like in their marriage, but how a marriage shows you how to live for Jesus. Does that make sense to you? So, so he says, wives, you need to submit to your own husbands. Now, the word submit does not mean doormat. It means wives adapt to your own husband. And what I mean by that is this. When I married Lisa, I did not marry her to share her. She's my wife. I want to know what she's doing and where she is, and I've got every right to ask her. Where were you today? Are you coming home tonight? You better. <laughs> Amen? Amen. And, and when, you, when I got married, I gave her me. I gave her me 100%. I have, the, one of the reasons I've never been thoroughly tempted with other women, I made that decision the day I married her. It wasn't a decision I made when I met another woman. I already made that one. You're not her. And when I got born again, I made that decision too. And so it never has been a big deal whether I should lie, cheat, steal, and rob people of money. I don't do it, and it just doesn't enter my mind because I made that decision the day I got saved. So he's talking here about marriage. And he said, wives, submit to your own husbands. Let's move on down. Husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, and he's the savior of your body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be their own husbands in everything. Husbands, you are to love your wives as Christ loves the church. You can see he's talking about Jesus. And gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle any such thing, that she should be holy and without blemish. He's talking about the church here. Now, he's using marriage. So husbands ought to love their wives as, as their own, and he, lo he who loves his wife loves himself. No one ever hated his own flesh. He nourishes, cherishes, just as the Lord does the church. So we're members of the body, of his flesh and of his bones, that he, for this reason a man leaves his father and mother, is joined to his wife, and the two become one flesh. This, I, this is a great mystery 
but I'm speaking concerning Christ and the church. He's not talking about marriage. He's talking about Christianity. Now, now listen, when, I'm, when I got saved, I didn't have an option of, of where he sent me and what he did with me. See, Jesus gave himself for me. What percentage? 100%. Did he prove his love for me? He did. When I got saved, what percent did he expect me to give? All. Think about it. All. What is a temptation then? It's for you to run your own life your way. That's all temptation is. What was Jesus doing in the wilderness when the Holy Spirit led him out there? Are you going to do it your way? Are you going to do it mine? Did he pass? Yes. What was the cross? His way? No. He already prayed, not my will. Do you think he wanted to do that? He did not. He did it in obedience to his father. When, when Lisa married me, she got me and I got her. This is a 100%, 100% blood covenant. You would expect it. What about Christianity? How are we doing? You see people that don't serve God, do you know why they don't? They don't want him to rule. Everybody believes in right and wrong. Democrats believe in right and wrong. Republicans believe in right and wrong. But not everybody's made him Lord. And that is the thing it hinges on. Who has final say? Here's my question. If you were the mayor of the city, would you hold your convictions if it cost you your job? I would. This is the way I would politic. This is who I am. This is what I believe. If you want it, vote me in. If you don't, you don't want me because I'm not changing. I'm not politicking to get a vote. I don't care if you vote. If you don't want me, I don't want to work for you. Are y'all out there? You go home. And I think that's what's wrong with America right now. At what point are you going to compromise your beliefs? Matthew 13. Go to Matthew 13. Y'all don't go quiet on me. The rocks will start calling. We, we will see a, mar- a movement of God in America, but I'll give you a revelation here. God doesn't care if it's 3,000 or 300. He, he'd rather have 300 on fire for God preachers than 3,000 3, lukewarm ones. He don't have to have lukewarm. And I'm going to tell the story of me in a, in a little bit. Well, let me just tell you right now. Let me just back up here. Let me just do this. I told you about me getting born again. I told you about me getting saved. But I had to have my wilderness experience with God. I had to have mine. And you're going to have yours. Mm-hmm. When I left Ramah, which is a Bible school in Tulsa, Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, I had ambitions to be the next Kenneth Copeland. That's what I wanted. And I got my Kenneth Copeland suit and my Kenneth Copeland pilot's license. I am a multi-engine instrument rated pilot. And the worst person who started that was Kenneth Copeland. And my dad, who, who, who was a pilot, was a pilot in the Marine Corps. And, I, and, and, and my dream was to, was to preach all over America just like Kenneth have my tapes and books and fly in, blow in, blow up, blow out, and leave. That was my dream. That's what I wanted to do. But yet, but yet in Tulsa, the Lord told me to move to Orlando. I thought, well, I have an airport. <laughs> I wouldn't have picked Orlando. I would have picked, you know, someplace 
with Four Seasons, but, but Orlando it was. And I came here and worked with Tom Copeland. And I got to the place where I was willing to work with Tom, you know, whatever. But I always had that in my heart, in the back of my heart, to, to go preach. And, and when I went through a divorce, I did not plan that. Things didn't work out in my first marriage. And, and so whenever the Lord said sign the papers, Tom felt obligated and should have to let me go as a youth pastor. Well, you understand, at that time in my life, that was part of, I, I didn't get an income, but they gave me the house I lived in. So now my, my first wife's income is gone. The, the house is gone, and I'm living on a, a block mason's salary, which is not a lot, especially if it rains. They don't pay you when it's raining. And so I went, I went down in, in income and everything, and so everything I had ever had dreamed of to be a Christian was falling by the wayside. And, 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 my, and my heart was just breaking because I got a call of God on my life. And I'm telling you, I was doing everything in my power to be a minister. I was doing it. I was doing it. I got three places to preach one year. No offerings. About starved to death. After I married Lisa, I convinced her I was Kenneth Copeland. She married me. She was convinced I was Kenneth Copeland. After she married me, she says, I really think you're Jesse DePlantis. But I'm still not in ministry, so out of embarrassment, I'd go in there at night and just pray. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do with my life? I know i got a call of God on my life. Yeah. I'm headed down the road one day going to work. I'm in my little Toyota Hilux, two-wheel drive, two-door, blue pickup truck, rusted to the max. <laughs> and the Lord gets in the truck with me. Glory of God filled my truck up. And he said, when are you going to do what I want you to do? And I think that's what we've been talking about. <laughs> and I asked him, I said, what do you want me to do? He said, well, I'm not going to tell you until you tell me you'll do it. Yeah. I said, no. <laughs> Who, well, let me ask you this. Where do you think the problem is? <laughs> he thinks it's me. He's convincing me it's me. See, I think I'm waiting on God. I'm not waiting on God. I've got a plan and I'm waiting on him to listen to me. There's only one head of this union and I found out it wasn't me. And he said, when are you going to do what I want you to do? I said, well, tell me what you want me to do. And he says, I'm not going to. And I'm going to tell you something right then. I, I, I bowed over my steering wheel and I wept. I wept my guts out. And I told him, I said, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I've been serving you and it has cost me. Right now I'm sitting in this rusted old pickup truck. Got a wife. Kicked out of a church. Lost my friends. Lost my family. And you want me to trust you? I had a hard time. That was tough. And he said to me, Trust me, I know you have a family. It's hard. Uh, but I was a miserable. See, a Christian out of the will of God is a miserable person. And I was miserable. I was going to church, reading my Bible, and praying every day. Miserable. I had no idea why I was miserable. And I bowed over that steering wheel, and I'm going to tell you, I cried until my guts hurt. My floor and below my feet was soaking wet. And I, I said, Father, okay, I'll do what you ask me, whatever it is. See, the issue between us and God is trust, submission. It's not, it's, it's not my, it's not this is what I want to do, God. Yes, that's it's right. what do you want to do, God? Yes, that's right. 
So right after that, I started flying with Air Mobile Ministries, and I went, yes. You're doing good. <laughs> Flying to the Caribbean once a month, preaching the gospel, shooting lobsters and grouper. People are getting saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, swimming in the, in the Caribbean, in the will of God. <laughs> getting a tan. And in Haiti, he said, I want you to take that church. And I went, uh-uh. No, that's not the plan. And he says, what did you say to me? I went, yes, sir. Are you all out there? See, the temptation that we face today is what does he want to do? I don't care if you sing in the choir and preach and cast out devils. Is he Lord? I want to tell you a story. Are y'all all right? Yes. Kenneth E. Hagen, which is my spiritual father, told the story about how God raised him from the deathbed as a, as a boy. He had heart failure. The blood flowing through his body was yellow. And he was going to die. He was laying in the bed. Doctors gave him up to die. God raised him up from the deathbed, and he began to preach the gospel got married, preaching, and got a wife and kids. After he pastored a while, the Lord said to him, I want you to leave this church. I never called you the pastor, and I want you to begin to travel. Well, he started traveling, back then not by airplane, by car, and he was gone from his family more than he wanted to be. Now, you understand something about Kenneth e. Hagin. God used him to turn the whole world around. Jesus appeared to him ten times. Jesus doesn't appear to anybody ten times without there being a reason. And he's probably one of the greatest prophets and that's walked among us, and he is the father of the modern-day charismatic movement. Started teaching prosperity and who you are in Christ and authority of the believer. See, no, no one preached that before him. No one did. Faith in God. But one day, his wife began to complain, Aretha. I mean, nagging, as a matter of, just nagged him. You're never home. You're just never home. You're not a father to your kids. You're just never home. And it really began to weigh on his soul. Finally, one day, he had about all of it he could stand, and he went to God because he said, I would drive away, and I would weep driving away from my house, knowing I wouldn't be home for two or three weeks, maybe a month. But at that, it wasn't forever. It was a season in his life. But God needed him to do it because he's fixed to change the world. And Aretha began to complain. And he was at a church local there in Texas. And Aretha came to him and he says, okay, I'll settle down and I'll get a church. Well, he steps in the pulpit and he falls over. His heart's kicking around. Doctors came in there and says, we don't know what happened to him, but he's almost dead. Aretha was in the other room, and the Lord spoke to Aretha and said, I'll take him home. Yeah. What's, now listen, this is wife, and Jesus thinks he's the head. Yeah. Aretha, I'll take him home. And she goes, oh, no, God, don't take him home. I give him back to you. Please forgive me for complaining. Let me tell you something. You're going to obey God. It's going to cost you. It'll cost you to obey God. Or it appears. And she said, Father, please forgive me. You do what you want to with him. He's your son. In the other room, they laid hands on Kenneth Hagin, and God raised him up right there in, in the church. Healed his body right there. And she came in there and grabbed him and said, please forgive me for nagging you, trying to pull you out of the will of God. I know it's as hard on you as it is me. Well, he traveled for a few more years, and then God told him to start Ramah. Thank you, Jesus, that he obeyed. 
Today, Fred Price, Andrew Womack, Kenneth Copeland, Jesse, me. We're all different people. Rodney Howard Brown went to Ramah, contrary to what he may have told you. It wouldn't be. The move of God we're in America right now wouldn't be here. It hadn't been for that one man's obedience. And his wife was in the way. Now, God had a plan. He didn't plan on taking her husband, but there was a season. And she needed to get in the will of God. And I'm glad that she did. I want to tell you another story, and I'm not, I, I got to watch my words. I know a young man had a call of God on his life. I know him personally. Youth pastor. I watched him preach. I watched the anointing of God on him. And I know for a fact that that boy had a flat, strong call to preach the gospel. And one day he met a girl. She had more bod than she needed for her brains. And her bathing suit was just about all the cotton you could stick in an aspirin bottle. And she let everybody see how pretty she was, including the youth pastor. And he bit. And I called him one day and I said, let's go out. We need to have lunch. I said, is she the will of God? He said, I don't know, but I'm, I am marrying her. And I just wept. He's never been in a pulpit again. Is he going to heaven? Yeah. But the devil took him out. She's a pretty girl. She's a Christian. Fire on, on fire? No. Sexy? Yes. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. I'm going to tell you about another youth pastor. They're both youth pastors. This one was my youth pastor. Worked for me. Parents came in with a pretty daughter, pretty girl. You know how parents are. That young man is a fire god in his life, and I want my daughter to marry him. Yeah, but your daughter ain't all that. Not, not ministry. Good Christian, but she ain't ministry stuff. I had a talk with him. Now, you understand that when you're sitting there looking at drop-dead gorgeous, that's temptation. The devil dangles a lot of women in front of men. Come on, y'all. He's dangled a few in front of me. But I never bit. I ran. You can say, thank you, Jesus. I made that, I made that decision when I got saved. It's not about, this is not about my wife. This is about him. Yes. I want to walk with him. Yes. Amen. That's right. Amen. So this young man went off to Ramah, walked away from this young lady. The parents were furious at me for destroying such a wonderful relationship. He ended up getting married to a beautiful girl, and he now pastors a church, and he's doing wonderful. Amen. And he chose God. I'm doing, I'm doing better than y'all. Amen. Amen. I'm looking at my notes. Jesus will never be number two in your life. He's either number one or he's not going to walk with you. I don't care if you are a Christian. Nobody trumps Jesus. I'll be number one to Lisa, or there will be fur, to, there will be fur will fly. There ain't no boy ever even come around, because his mama won't recognize him when he gets home. You say, that's jealousy. Have you ever read the Bible that says God is a jealous God? He is. Megan, are you ready? Give her a mic. Wasn't too long ago, I was talking to little Megan Megan told me the story about God dealing with her to come back to Apopka. Now, before she gets started, let me tell you something. 
She wouldn't be where she is today had she not obeyed God. And she had her wilderness moment. Come on, girl, grab your mic. I want you to tell the story. And if I could adopt her, I'd just take her. You ready to go? Yes, sir. Okay. Check? Okay. So, <laughs> so uh, let me think. Uh, I was in Tampa. I was in Tampa for Bible school. And um, I was coming here to this church first, not as active in the church as I was, as I am now. Um, but I was in the church, and then I was called to Bible school. So I went to Bible school. Phenomenal Bible school. Love it. Wonderful. Um, and then while I was in Bible school in Tampa, uh, I finished I got my AA, finished Bible school, and then I was like, okay, what, where do, what, do I do, what do I do now? But in my mind, oh, I'm, I'm staying in Tampa, right? I went from Popka, now I'm in Tampa, I'm plugged into this church, serving here. I finished Bible school, but I'm sure I'll be staying here and growing there and going up from there. And so um, what happened was actually the, where I was living, uh, kind of lease thing over, okay, where am I going to live now? In Tampa. But, you know, in Bible school, you have a lot of friends, a lot of people who room with each other and this and that. So I'm texting people and, like, we're trying to figure it out. So I'm like, you know what? I'll go back to Apopka for a little bit, just a little bit, though, and um, to figure out where I'm going to live in Tampa. Yes. So uh, I was there, and I'm texting people, and it's not really looking like it's really going through. And I had, there was this feeling deep down that was like you should be in a popka at word of life church that is where you grew the most in your walk that is where you grew that is where yes so I was like you know no but see that doesn't make sense to go back because that's like going backwards right like it doesn't make sense to go back like I'm trying to go forward you know what I'm saying so I'm like okay um I don't know about that so I was actually on the on the phone and um, I was on the phone, and I was talking about, um, actually, I, th I think I might am supposed to be in a pub. And as soon as I said that, I think I'm supposed to go back to where the church, on the inside was like, you think? I told you, you know what I said. You know I said you need to be in a popka. And so I was like, right when I went to say it, I started laughing. And I started laughing so hard, laughing in the Holy Ghost, started crying. And the person on the phone's like, uh, hello? <laughs> hello? <laughs> and I'm like, ah, okay. So like, they hung up, I hung up. And so I, I was like on the floor. I was in Shantae's room. I was on the floor, and I was, like, crying, snotting, crying, ugly crying. And so I'm like, okay, Lord. And he's like, you're supposed to be in a pop class. Okay, okay. And so um, right after that, you know, what's funny is right after that, after I said, okay, I got a text saying, oh, we have a place for you in Tampa. We got a spot. It's a nice house. I'll show you the pictures. I said, no, thanks. I don't need it anymore. They're like, why are you sure? We need another person. Like, and I was like, nope. Never mind. I'm good. Thank you. And so um, the thing, what's funny is when you hear about being in the will of God, obeying God, going where he wants you to go, it's not like I was going to be at some heathen place. Being out of the will of God doesn't mean you're working at some bar or you're at some heathen place. I was going to be in the ministry. I was still at a great church. I was still serving. I was still like, oh, yes, yes, I'm, I know I'm called to ministry. still on fire for God. But where he told you to be is where the provision will be. Where he told you to be is everything that you need in the will of God is in the will of God. Yes. So yeah. the fact that, you know, you think being out of the will of God is just some, like, heathen place, it's not. But being exactly where he said, when he said, that's being in the will of God. And it does cost you. It does cost you. But the rewards are so much greater. You don't even see what the cost is because the rewards are so much greater. That it makes you, you don't even remember what, what you gave up because of everything you've gained. So, amen. Amen. In Sheadal. I got another one that's going to come up, but he didn't know about it yet. Go to, go to Matthew 13 for a second. I want to read something before. I'm going to kick Justin up here for a minute. I'm very proud of Justin. Not because he's my son. Yesterday on the, on the city hall steps, 
He got up and just began to pray. And people are looking at him and going, that boy is a fireball. But I'm going to tell you something. He was raised in this church. He always loved the Lord. But there was a day that he had to make a decision to obey God. Just because you're in church does not mean you're in the will of God. I want to read this in Matthew 13, verse 19. It says, anyone who hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, when the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart, this is he who receives seed by the wayside. He receives seed on stony places, and the one who hears the word immediately receives it with joy, and he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. And when trouble and persecution arise because of the word, he stumbles. What does that mean? Satan is going to test your consecration. You say, Jesus is Lord. He's going to test it. Did you mean it? You're going to have your wilderness day. And how you come out of the wilderness. It said Jesus went into the wilderness full of the Holy Ghost. And he came out full of power. It's not until you have your devil day. You're going to meet God and you're going to meet the devil. And you're going to have to make up your mind. And Justin, I'm going to give you the mic. And I want you to tell a little bit about when Mark began to talk to you and what was going on at that time in you. Because everybody wants to know, what happened to you? I want to know what happened to you. I've been asking myself the same question. Um, Yeah, so kind of what he said before, growing up in church, you really don't want to be in ministry after you see how people treat the pastor. They complain about your father. What kind of truck does he drive? Does he steal money from the people? You know, you're like, you know, you'd rather go be a, a hustler or something. You know, you go make money. Yeah, that's why Jesse Duplantis said, I like hanging out with the pimps because they had money. You know, he said, if I knew the preachers had money, I might have been a preacher earlier. But everybody else in the world's got money. They can have money, but the preacher can't have no money. So me and my brother decided we're going to go into business and make money. Cause, uh, and then, but the problem is, is you're frustrated you're mad, you're driving, you can't make no money, you're starting all these business ideas, you're putting thousands of dollars into different things and it's not working out. And you're like, Lord, I'm supposed to be prosperous. The blessings of Abraham are supposed to be mine. I'm quoting the word, giving it shall be given. And God keeps you alive, you know. He gives you to where you're taking care of your needs because he don't want you to belly up. Still going to church, I'm not out of the, I'm here. I believe that I'm in the will of God. But something in the inside, like she was saying, is just miserable. Something's not right. And, um, and dad had mentioned things about, you know, I believe that you're supposed to be in ministry, but um, he's like, I'm not going to push it because you need to find that out on your own. He does. And um, because when things get rough, don't come to me. Go to God because he's the one that called you. But I kept pushing that away from him. I said, I, I don't want to do that. And even, um, you know, you, you fight it. And one day, I, but I'm always crying out to God. I'm still in prayer. I'm still praying every day. I'm still reading my Bible. But what happened was, is I was crying out to God, then I was complaining to my brother, and I just said, God, I can't do this anymore. Like the next Sunday or right after that, Mark Hankins showed up. Trina prays in the Holy Ghost, gives a word in tongue, or she just said, he said, what is it? And he, she said, the pastor's son, which was funny because she told Mark, the Lord has a word for pastor's son. I thought she was going to give the word. She didn't. She just pointed me out and said, pastor's son. Mark said, tell him to get up here. And then Mark Hankins gave the word. So he gives the word and said, I've called you before you were born. I called you to preach. When you open your mouth, I'm going to fill it. I was like, <laughs> I want to preach. <laughs> I did not want to do this. But he said, the reason you're so miserable is because of this reason. If I'd have known how good it was going to be, I'd have done it a long time ago. Yeah. Because Satan always tells, shows you the, the negative Look at how this church has been for the last 20 years. Look at what your father's gone through. Look at all the way that the church people, you know, have complained about this, this, and that. Or people at my job would complain, you know, about, about you know, we give Joel Osteen preaches and all we're doing is uh, manipulating people with a good motivational talk. No, it, it's really the gospel, but that's how they see it. And so anytime you bring up you're a preacher, it's just a ne- it was just a negative or sometimes people, you know, liked it. 
But after I submitted, it didn't, it didn't happen right away. You still wrestle, you wrestle with that. Like Jacob wrestled with the angel. Still wrestled with it, prayed. I said, Lord, I know Pastor Mark. I said, give me three or four witnesses and show me. <laughs> you know, because sometimes you can have a lot of voices. People coming up to you, I believe you're supposed to do this. I believe you're supposed to do that. And you need to kind of uh, test the spirits. Which one's of God and which one's either someone's flesh or which one's the devil? And um, I had three people, like within the same two-week period, prophesy to me more. So it's four, four witnesses, people I would have never would have thought, friends I don't even talk to about Jesus. They don't even want to hear it. One of them said, you know, if you actually started preaching, I actually listen to you. I'm like, that's strange, me and you never talk about God. So that happened, and then I had a dream one night, and an angel showed up in this dream, and I was playing in music at the time, and um, they brought me into a, I, there was a recruiter, he was sitting back there in a military outfit, and I signed my name and signed up for the army. Walked in in a man in uniform, it was a glass cage, brought me a woman demon-possessed, and he said, cast the devil out of her. And so he's standing there in uniform, and I said, in the name of Jesus, loose the woman, and she hit the floor. And he said, good job, you can leave. So <laughs> it was very strange. Walked out, but I still remember it as almost it was completely real. Because, I mean, your spirit's alive, it's real. I believe there's times like with Solomon, he had a dream, and it was God, when he was talking to God. I walked out, and there's a big man standing in a uniform, and I said, it was nice spending time with you guys. I have to go. He said, where are you going? I said, I'm going to start a band, because that's what I was doing. I was working downtown Orlando. I was playing music. He said, no, you're not. He pointed at the man. He said, you signed your name on the dotted line. He said, you belong to us. I said, okay. And I sat there in the darkness, standing next to this man, and I woke up. And I started to realize, and he showed me after, and he'll confirm it. That's the thing is... It's, he'll confirm it if you're really seeking him. If you're, I mean, I was pressing in. I was going home and praying, spending time in the Holy Ghost, because I got one life. I don't want to screw it up. I don't want to stand before God and say, you missed it. I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. If you really want to know the will of God, you're going to get in your home and your Bible, and you're going to find it. He that seeketh me will find me. You can't be like, well, I'm looking for the will of God, and you go to work 50 hours a week, and you're not ever really um, seeking. And I believe that he will show you. Then after that, the blessings of the Lord started. I mean, it just opened. I got raises, praise God. I got Pastor Mark blessed me with a truck, a, a nice Ford Raptor that I never would have thought I would ever. It would take me 20 years to get. And it, Pastor Mark told me one time, he said, it pays to serve the will of God. You, you actually, you know, his goal was to increase you and to benefit you. It, it was, it's never to take from you. That's not God's will is to take. He's always, he gave Jesus. And if he gave his best gift, which was a son, why wouldn't he give you freely everything else? So I realized that it pays way more to serve God. Even though for a time, and, and dad prophesied this, it looks like you're going to struggle for a while. It looks like it. I think God just wants to see if you're going to do it. If you're going to do it without the money. Will you serve him without getting a paycheck? Will you come to church and, or, or whatever he's asking you to do because you love Jesus? And then after that, and then I believe the second money test is that once you start making money, do you still serve Jesus? Once it starts coming in, are you still giving? Are you still, when Jesus says, give this much money to this minister, do you still do it? And that's, you, you pass multiple money tests. What do you do when you have no money? What do you do when you have some money? What do you do when you have a lot of money? So... Um, that happened, and then I realized, and then the Lord started telling me, I want you to teach more online. And even with the men yesterday, I'm thinking, God, I'm, I'm a young man. you got grown men in here. What do you have me in here doing? Jesus said, just trust me. This is what I've, it's, it's actually an anointing that he calls you to do. It's not, you, people, we think too much on our self, our own ability. That's the problem. You, you think, well, I, I can't. I mean, this is, guy's been at, with Brother Hagen. You know, he's been preaching for 60-something years probably. I don't know. Well, maybe 30, 40. 45. Not 60. You know, you, <laughs> you, you expect me to come in right behind him and that I'm going to keep the yeah, same crowd? I do. I do. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you struggle with that in, in your mind, but it doesn't matter because you're going to stand before Jesus, and he's going to say, did you do what I asked you to do? And for eternity, that scares me like a holy fear that you're forever. Did I do exactly what he asked me to do? That, man, that, that, I mean, still to this day, I feel like that the will of God is a constant, sometimes every few months I'm checking in. Is there anything else you'd like me to do? Am I still doing everything you asked me to do? How are we doing between you and I? And then he'll go, I want you to start doing this. I thought the will of God is not just a one-time thing. It's a continual praying in the spirit, 
like Paul said when he got born again. He said, Lord, who are you? Which means he made him Lord. The second thing, he says, what do you want me to do? Yeah. Till the day Paul died, he was saying that I still might know him. That was the greatest thing Paul said. I still desire to know him more. So that's to, for me. And I, you know what? It's, it's, it's scary. And I think that you have to stretch. God stretches you. And it almost sometimes like when he goes, dad one time looked at me and said, I'm going out of town, and you're going to stand up in front of the whole city, and you're going to take my spot. I mean, that's, to me, I'm thinking there's all, there's 500 politicians from Florida. Everybody, but Ron DeSantis was probably there. And you want me to stand up there and take your spot? You know, it's, it's scary, but I'm more scared of Jesus. Just do it. We'll worry about what happens after him. And if I bomb, whatever. I'm just doing what the Lord told me to do. So it's been a, it's been a, I, I absolutely, you go, what the, best thing is you go to bed at night and you sleep because your heart goes oh it feels so good even though it's like you know before you you go preach you're like oh man I don't know how this is going to turn out and then you do it and it's great and then you go you go to bed at night but before that I couldn't sleep I was anxious driving something inside is just like brother Hagin says it's like washing your feet with your socks on so here you go pastor take it away amen so let me close with this, and let's, let's go down this a little bit for you. Even though not all of you are called to be in a ministry, most of you are not and shouldn't be. If he didn't call you to be full-time, don't be, you may be a businessman. Be a businessman. But be a godly businessman. Be a, be a man of God. So, so what happens when you are in here and you lose your job? Are you getting a new one, or is he getting you one? You can't, listen, you can't put your faith in him if he doesn't have you. The issue is not a job or your money or even your children. The the issue is you and Jesus. When I started pastoring this church, this thing was a mess. And I told the Lord, I said, you have a problem here. I slept at night. I came in one time and there was $200 in the checkbook. I said, you are broke. (laughs) Listen, I almost was waiting for it to fold so I could go get a job. Somebody ran in the door and gave their tithe and paid for another week of church. But this has been his all the time. Are y'all listening to me? When I'm laying in a hospital and they tell me your appendix is ruptured and you're on the edge of being dead, I'm going, well, if you don't heal me, I'm coming home. If you want me to go to work, I got to, it's up to you, God. I can't heal my body. I'm not laying there worrying about whether I'm going to die. I've already given my body to Jesus. It's his body. You want me? Fix it. Next Wednesday, I'm standing there preaching. I don't even have any pain. I never took a pain pill. They opened me up and sucked my intestines out, and I never even had a pain pill. God is a good God. You want me to preach? Fix Fix me. Are y'all out there? Did you go home? Your worrying is because you're the Lord. Worrying is fear I won't make it. Well, faith is he will. When my boys don't live right, I go, take them, Jesus. Fix Justin. Do something with him, God. Don't worry about it. We got the other two we're praying for right now. Where's Jordan? Amen. I don't, we don't lay around and worry. Lisa and I get in the living room, pray in the Holy Ghost and go, we cast all of our cares on you. We don't have a care in the planet. You're God, you made the heaven and the earth, fix it. We're going to bed. (laughs) Come on, either he's got it or I do. I don't have it. I'm not that big. Come on. So let me ask you a question. I'm not, I'm not calling you into the ministry. Good Lord, don't do it. If he don't call you, 
don't do it. But what? But you belong to him. Let me ask you a question. Does he have a right over where you go and what you do? Don't worry about your job. You have a, who's running your marriage, you or him? Who's running your business, you or him? I'm afraid I'll lose it. Goodbye. I'll tell you, living worry-free is sweet. I don't have a care in the world. I'm, how did we do today? Megan is where she is because she, she, she had her wrestling. Jacob wrestled with God. Judas wrestled and lost. I bet he wishes he'd have obeyed God. Come on, Lisa and I, we love y'all. I'm going to turn her loose here in a minute and let her. I love my wife. We, we have a wonderful time. Our marriage is far from perfect, but I have a good wife. God's still working on me and her both. But she follows God, and I follow God. It's not uncommon for us to have a disagreement and her to go off and pray and come back and go, I was wrong. I said, I told you. Ditto. Then many a time I've gone off and prayed and God said, go apologize, you're wrong. And I'm going to tell you something. She loves being married to a man who loves Jesus. I love being married to a woman who loves Jesus. Don't get married. If they're not submitted to God, don't, don't. you leave them, man. You run like H. Run. You won't be married to anybody that's not submitted to God, man. Dear God, like dying and going to hell. Wake up to Jezebel, glory to God. Before I turn Lisa loose, I mean, I don't know where you are. I want to ask you to do something. Put him first. We probably got eight years for the rapture. What are you doing? What are you doing? America's screwed up. What are you doing? They know, they know the only vacation spots left are Texas and Florida. Where, what are you, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Father God, I, I, I love the church. I love your church. I love this church. I have come in here this morning. I've, I, I, I did what I believed was you. If I missed it, I missed it. But everybody in the sound of my voice, and I know there's people right now, I know they're sitting here, and they're struggling, and they're trying to fix their life, and they don't need to. They need to let it go. Just let it go. You said, cast all your cares over on me. I care about you. You said, be anxious for nothing. And the anxiety is coming because they don't trust you. But I pray they wouldn't leave today until they've laid it on the altar and said and walk away and go, from this day forward, you're the Lord of my life. we got people in here also playing with sin. I'm going to ask you, cut it today. If it's pornography, cut it. If it's lust, cut it. If it's lying and gossip, cut it. Cut it off. Get it out of your life. You're not going to have any peace until you do. Father, I commit the people in this church to you, and I trust you. They're good people. The devil is a bad devil, and he messes with us to get us off track. And Father, the young lady we were talking about a while ago, she's thoroughly convinced she loves you and she's in your will, and she's not. She's boss, not you. Turn her. Turn her around, Heavenly Father. Turn her around until she's ready to obey you and to go and be and let, let you lead and guide. There's a lot of things I want to pray, Father, but I'm going to give this to Lisa. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I feel the Spirit of God on me, so let's just wait a minute. Now there is a and then there's the 
But it doesn't matter what they say, and it doesn't matter what they do. All that should matter is me to you. It doesn't matter what's coming. It doesn't matter what's gone. It doesn't matter what's behind you. All that matters is walking with me. A lot of vida. You heard it said today, I'm talking about trust me. I will take care of you. I love you. I have what's best for you. Don't be afraid to turn loose of it. Don't be afraid to turn loose and let me do it. You need to rest. But rest in me. Do it my way. And you'll see. Your best days are ahead of you. And you will see. And I'll turn that circumstance in you around. And uh, it'll be better than you ever thought. But you're going to have to give it to me. Hallelujah. I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to just... uh, How many of you right now, God is dealing with you? You say, hey, that's me. Thank you. Thank you. I don't want to rush through the service. I don't don't want to get in a hurry. There is an one and there is a new hebrikotete. And now there's also a rebehedada. I'll say that in a moment. I'll say that. I'll tell them that. Now there's also a raite and there's a rebehedada. Now you got a path in front of you and you got to choose which way you're going to go. You're going to go to the left, you're going to go to the right. You're going to go your way or you're going to go mine. But if you go yours, it'll not go well with you. Even though it looks like the way to do it and the way to go, you'll look back and regret that decision. But if you'll go mine, you'll do it my way. You'll see that I'll make a path before you and the sun will come out and it'll be as a brand new day for you. All your cares and worries will all die and dry up and be left behind. For I have a plan for you and it's glorious and divine. He just said to me, tell the story of Brother Hagin. I told you the story of Kenneth Hagin obeying God. Right after that, Kenneth E. Hagin got a phone call that his son Junior was in the army and he had gotten in a wreck in a jeep and almost went over cliff. And the Lord says, I've spared him and I have prepared him. Had you not obeyed, I would not have been able to. God didn't do it. There's a lot of things happen in our lives God's not running your life. You are. And you opened up the door and let the devil walk right in. God don't want that. He don't want that. You got to learn to trust him. I'm glad I obeyed God. I'd have never met Lisa. I'd have never pastored this church. It seemed like I was losing. I gained I love where he took me. I love where I am. I love my family. I love my kids. It has turned out well for me. And it was tough to I thought it was tough. Actually, I look back now and go, well, it was easy. I think the church is at a crossroads. I say this, you're not waiting on Trump. And Biden's not the problem. We are. America's in the mess it's in because people. If it wasn't for people, we wouldn't have have the mess we got going on in Washington. I think it's time for the church to put Jesus first. He's a jealous God. He's the Lord of my life. Not just because I'm a pastor. Are you ready? Praise the Lord. 
I'm going to ask the altar workers to come forward right now. And so if you're here this morning and you, you say, I think I need to come up and make a recommitment, a rededication, that is the first altar call that I would like to give. And to say, Lord, I'm not doing it your way. And I love what Megan said. She said, it's not a matter of the fact that I'm going off and working in a bar. That's understandable. It was, should I be here, God, or should I be here? Doing good things. Doing good things in Tampa, doing good things in Orlando. Paul said, Lord. First of all, that means you're the head. Master, what is it that you want me to do? If you can't this morning say, I'll do what you say do, and I'll go where you say go, you are not submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because you have to be willing for him to say, I want you to leave this comfortable place and go over here. That's not maybe uncomfortable or there's something you don't know. And you can be a great person and you can be in the ministry like us. But if we're not willing to say every day of our life, I'll do what you want me to do. I'll go where you want me to go. Then we're not submitted to him. So if you're here this morning, I want you to come up. If you need help in this area, get with one of these and say, I'm ready to make that prayer, that dedication, that turnaround. Sometimes you need a date, right, Justin? Sometimes you need a date where you can look back and go, on such and such a date, on such and such a year, I heeded the voice of the Lord and made that little adjustment, which is, gonna, which is going to reap great rewards in the future. And sometimes you just need to come up and say, Jesus, you're Lord. I asked you to be Savior, but now I'm asking you to be Lord. I'll do what you say do. I'll go where you say go. And if you've never even done the first step, you need to come up today and say, Jesus, be my Lord. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for shedding your blood. I ask you to come into my heart. So come this morning, and we love you, and we want to pray with you. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big Give Now button. Or you can text... 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.